Hey everyone, welcome to The Geek Awakens. Uh, I'm Mitch, and my question for my co-hosts tonight, so with the trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music being released this week, what property should never get a reboot? And I structured it this way because you can either answer it because the original is so good that it shouldn't ever be touched again, or the original is so awful that we should just all forget about it. So uh, we'll start today with Tabitha. Ooh, you know, I forgot about the whole question thing. Um, <laughs> I like how you pre-prepare us and then I forget anyway. Um, I'm going to go with something that we're actually going to talk about tonight. And I'm going to say Disney's The Black Cauldron. It okay. should never be redone. Okay. And Matt? Um, I'm kind of going to follow the same vein. Um, but some of these have already been done and I still think they shouldn't have been done. Um, these Disney live action remakes. Um I know that some of them have like been you know, had critical acclaim, like Beauty and the Beast, um, and I know <laughs> and I know that Mulan is like taking a different twist on on the story, the animated story. But I still think like for the most part, like these live action Disney things should just stop. They shouldn't have ever happened to begin with. Um, and then just as a fun twist, a cartoon that I love that I don't ever want to see gone back to. I want it to stay in its own little time capsule. Is Gravity Falls. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Oh. Man, you know, for me, this is one of those things, like, this was my question, and I kept, like, going back and forth and back and forth, and I could <laughs> never really decide. Uh, but I think for me, you guys remember Big Bad Beetleborgs? Yes. Yeah. It was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of like the Power Rangers kind of spinoffs, kind of not really, but yeah, yeah it was like, like this for you. Yeah, it was like That's these terrible. these kids morphed into like these adult-sized beetle-looking Power Ranger type things, and like one of the other characters was, uh, it looked like Jay Leno. Um, what was it? It was, it was it a vampire. <laughs> That I don't remember, but I, I forgot how much this logo looks like Animorphs. <laughs> oh, I would have thought that was Animorphs. I mean, it kind of is. <laughs> but they're superheroes. Is it because it was so bad that it just needs to stop existing? Or because it was, it's part of the good? It was not good. It was not good. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> I remember that. I remember watching a few episodes. Like, oh, there he is. Uh, yes, it is actually Jay Leno. Is it? No, it's not actually Jay Leno. No, it's not actually Jay Leno. It just really looks like Jay Leno. It, it's like Jay Leno and uh, Joker. Or the very serial guy, because that's what it looks like to me. <laughs> so before we get started with uh, Artist Alley, uh, Matt, you kind of have some breaking-ish news about PlayStation? I do. So... Um, PlayStation was going to have their big reveal event last week. They decided to postpone it a week. Um, so at 3 o'clock Central Time today, they um, hosted a live video that you could stream, YouTube, number of different websites. Essentially, the entire point of this live stream was to reveal the new PlayStation 5, like the, the physical console, to show everybody what it looks like. Um, it was basically an hour and 20 minutes of clips of games that are going to be released for the uh, PS5, either on release or within roughly the next year or so. Um, 
there's one that isn't slated until 2022, but most of them are um, like with release or soon after. They listed or they showed clips from GTA 5, which is also going to be GTA Online. Um, Spider-Man is getting a new game. Miles Morales is going to be the uh, lead character. Gran Turismo 7, Ratchet and Clank has a new game, Rift Apart. Um, there is going to be a new big little big planet game, uh, Sackboy, a big adventure. Oh. Looks a little bit more uh, platformy than like the uh, other little big planet games, but still looks like a lot of fun, a lot of uh, customization kind of stuff. There's ones called Destination All Stars, which kind of looks like a destruction derby mixed with battle royale, like that new like Fortnite kind of feel, like everybody gets everybody thing. Abe from Oddworld is coming back and is going to have a new game, uh, Oddworld Soulstorm. One of the most sought for games. Uh, they showed preview of Ghostwire Tokyo, um, Godfall, which has also already been announced, but they showed a little bit more of that. Hitman 3, uh, so the final game in that, I guess, trilogy will be released for the PS5. Um, Zion Williams um, introduced the NBA 2K21 demo. Demon's Souls is getting a remake for PS5. Uh, a brand new Resident Evil, Resident Evil 8 Village was announced. Um, we are also getting a essentially a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. It's going to be Horizon Forbidden West. Um, there are a number of other games, but those are kind of the big hitters. And then at the end of the video, they announced actually two consoles. Um, one is going to have a disk drive and the other one is going to be digital only. So it kind of looks like a router or a spaceship, white and black, which is kind of expected color scheme wise based on the controller that they released. We still have no firm release date and no price point. So we spent an hour and 20 minutes watching clips of games that are coming and finally seeing the console with no real hard details. So release like that that's some <laughs> steve job shit right there <laughs> yeah that's that's interesting that they didn't give us a release date or pricing or anything like that yeah i know that um microsoft doesn't essentially have either for the next xbox but being that that already has been released there was kind of speculation that playstation would kind of sort of beat microsoft to the punch and actually give a release date or a price and we got neither. So, huh. I don't know. I mean, it was definitely interesting. It was, it was fun to watch. Um, I, honestly, if the, streaming this on my phone, um, if the games look half as good as they did streaming on my phone on, you know, my 4G connection, um, on, an, on a 4K TV, these are going to look absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, the only the only games I saw any little bit of footage on was the Spider-Man Miles Morales game, and yeah, that looks phenomenal. Yeah, I mean the video started with a little thing about the GTA Five, but then like the first game game they really announced for the PS Five was that Spider-Man Miles Morales, and uh, like my connection was really good at that moment, and the, the visuals just absolutely incredible. So, a couple days ago. I spoke with uh, Sarah Zunda. She is an illustrator. Anyway, so she's our guest for this week's Artist Alley. Take a listen. Uh, it's a really fun interview. All right, so I am here with uh, Sarah Zunda of Sarah Zunda Illustrations. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about how you got started. 
so I got started, oh gosh, uh, quite a while ago. Um, it was uh, like doing uh, art and illustration is something that I've always been interested in. And um, I kind of grew up in a more isolated childhood. So it was just something that I had um, kind of delved into because I didn't really have much else. Um, and yeah, and so it was something to like develop and spend my time doing and awesome <laughs> <laughs> um so you've recently posted something about uh the uh the bailout gallery on your instagram page uh what's that all about ah so the bailout gallery it is a um it was essentially a quick action fundraiser started by amira brown who is a um a black new haven artist who uh, i went to school with um she wanted to uh, raise funds and get it to the front line to help release protesters uh, of the, the uh, Black Lives Matters movement that are currently being um, detained and need funds to be released to continue fighting, get back to their families, and basically just escape the uh, shackles of the law right now because uh, it's a little <laughs> hectic. Um, but yeah, so she put out a call asking for art donations in the forms of original pieces, prints, jewelry, sculptures, uh, and whatnot. And basically 100% of profits from those sales on the uh, bailoutgallery.com site go immediately towards uh, releasing people. That is an amazing cause. Uh, and... Mm -hmm. I should point out too, we are actually, uh, we're recording this a couple days before the, um, before uh, everybody will hear it. So mm -hmm. do you know um, how long the bailout gallery is going to be going on? Is it, or is it just kind of a open-ended thing right now? Um, it's kind of an open-ended thing. Um, it's, it seems to be like um, Amira's running it until all of the current artworks sell out. Um, as of right now, we have raised uh, just like rough estimate. We've raised over uh, $6,500. Wow. Um, but there's still artwork on the site. Um, and uh, I've offered to add more prints, but I think we're going to see how long it goes. Um, so it's going to be up if there's still artwork to be sold. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's just, yeah, such a phenomenal cause. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a little bit about uh, some of your influences, either, you know, when you first started drawing or even just like who are some of your influences now? Yeah, so um, it's always super important and it's always something that ever changes with artists. But um, some of my like older influences have been like um, Arthur Rackham, uh, Victor G. Uh, Ambrush. They're both like uh, standard fantasy ink and watercolor illustrators. Uh, more contemporarily, I'm really into, um, I apologize if I butcher this name, uh, <laughs> Anna like uh, Pondawarna, who does a lot of the Gwent and Witcher art. Um, then there's Wiley Beckert, who does fantasy uh, illustrations and like sketch work. Like people like Seb McKinnon, who's a big MTG artist. Uh, Iris Compet, who does a lot of uh, fantasy florist uh, creatures. Uh, Curie Liongard, who does um, more fantasy illustrations. People like John Sidariatis. 
very heavy hitting, very fantasy based, um, mostly focused on um, stuff that I'm kind of representing, very high detail, high uh, line work, very good draftsmanship. Uh, just very high standards of like foundational artwork. It's a very good group of people, <laughs> I think. Awesome. So uh, I was looking at your website earlier and something that caught my eye was your uh, Deadliest Friends series. So how did you, <laughs> how did you come up with the idea for this? Oh gosh. So the Deadliest Friends, they actually started as a, like an Inktober exercise. Okay. Um, so if you don't know what Inktober is, it's like a social media thing that happens every October. It's like an exercise in, uh, like learning a new medium and working, working on your skills. Basically every single day of, ink of uh, this Inktober, you post and work on a single ink sketch to get better at like traditional inking, whatever. Um, while I was in college, I had attempted to do that. <laughs> uh, doing 31 uh, ink illustrations for the entire month while being a full-time student and whatever is quite difficult. Um, but I ended up creating and completing 12 of these deadliest friends. Um, and it was an exercise for me personally of um, studying animal uh, like skulls. Cause they're basically, yeah. So for people who don't know, cause I'm forgetting that this is a podcast <laughs> are probably not looking at my website right now. So uh, basically they're like little characters that are little animal skeleton heads, like little skulls with uh, little decorated bodies that are focused on like, like kind of more punk fashion. Um, so they're just cute little characters, but um, yeah, it's, it was, a, it was an expression for me to practice my ink and lining skills as well as um, expressing expressing my interest in uh, more like punk alternative and like non-gendered fashion um, and I ended up uh, taking that those ink drawings and creating stickers from them and I do uh, like shrink plastic pins um, so they're all like little wearable things and that's all on my website there's a big old section for that nice so uh, another thing that you that I saw on your website was that you also do commissions so uh, tell us a little bit about the process with that. Yeah, so um, I work as a full-time freelance illustrator. Um, so this is my day job. With that being my day job, I do have to take commissions. Mm -hmm. um, so I do personal and custom artwork, uh, ranging from like $50 to like $500, depending on complexity. Um, but I do things like couples portraits, like anniversary things, pet portraits. Then I go into graphic design and like poster work, as well as I do a lot of like fantasy uh, character scenes because a lot of people have these personal um, like D&D characters or Pathfinder characters. Um, so um, I love doing all of those uh, and it's, it's a fun process, but um, I have a form on my website um, that basically asks for a couple key point um, like things, asking like what, what what you'd like to do with it, if it's for commercial, um, like tell me about your character, if you want a character piece, um, and I will then read the email, I'll get back to you with a quote and when I'm available time-wise, because mm -hmm. uh, I kind of have like a book, so um, I have a certain amount of, um, I basically book my month, um, 
and then I'll be like, this week I'm working on so-and-so, and this week I'm working on so-and-so. Um, but I'll give you a price quote if everything sounds good. Um, uh, then we start talking, and you send me reference photos of whatever you, you want, any uh, inspirational stuff for ideas you tell me all the details about your sweet character and all the cool <laughs> weapons and like oh the more detail the better and then um i usually go into um i start the art and you get a, like a completed sketch that you then approve or you make changes once that's approved we move to um like a final lines which then gets uh, needs approval once final lines happen we do color or tonal depending on um uh, what your what you've commissioned and then uh once we finalize um then i either give you your full digital file or i ship you a print like it's pretty i don't know <laughs> that's the way to sum it up nice. but um yeah you have you have full comments and control the whole time and i work with you and try to get a piece that you're absolutely stoked about and usually i'm pretty excited about anything that comes my way but yeah that's kind of the, the all of it <laughs> nice. now do you have like a uh is there a certain time of the year that's busier for you like do you get a lot of uh requests for commissions like around the holidays or things like that oh yes oh yes um holidays are always swamped um because I officially started doing freelance last October. So awesome. I guess I can say holidays are swamped because I immediately jumped into the holidays. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, shoot, everybody and their grandparents wants like giant commissions and personalized artwork, which was amazing oh, to be like, sure. I, st I still can survive during this time. Um, and it was good. Um, I did a lot of work and got a lot of cool stuff done. But um, yeah, usually uh, definitely like, Christmas holidays, like New Year time, and then again at Valentine's, um, and then sporadically throughout the year um, for like random anniversaries and birthdays and, uh, you know, the standard commissions, but um, usually the beginning or like end December to uh, the first couple months are usually pretty busy. Okay. So... Um, you do have a, a, like a diverse set of styles in your work. Um, mm. Is there a certain style that you prefer? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> Thank you. Ooh, okay, yeah, because like yeah, because I think about that a lot too. I'm like, I try to, I try to be diverse and have a bunch of stuff available. Um, but yeah, what's my favorite? Ooh, well, it's got to be. I have a lot of big pieces that are just like. Uh, like character based or have like one character in them and then it's like a million little details or like botanical things or um like i don't know just a lot of detail stuff um there's a couple pieces that i'm thinking in mind i have one of my uh i have two currently out of my uh my personal pieces of my characters that i'm writing my comic around um they have very just a lot of details they're almost like block printish. Um, but I would say those are my favorite because they're the most intriguing and the most um, in-depth pieces that you can kind of fall into, the most like story-driven ones, I would think. Okay, awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, and this was something that you mentioned also uh, back when we were talking about uh, The Deadliest Friends. So you also have a collection of handmade pens. So hmm. what all goes into making them? Oh, yeah. Um, so... The handmade pins, um, I started because I had um, a, bu 
I'm very much in the like punk indie flair scene because um, I do live in a city and I have a jacket and I have a bunch of decorations <laughs> all over it. Yeah, it's part of the part of the cool kids club. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to become a pin maker, but um, financially, the jump of investing into enamel pins, like the little metal ones, was mm -hmm. very large for the amount of uh, designs that I had had. So I jumped into producing um, like handmade ones. So it's like a, a shrink plastic with like an enamel resin coating over the top. The process of making those is I design them, uh, whether digitally or like the Deadliest Friends specifically were ink uh, drawings that were then scanned in and formatted. Um, I print them out at like a large size um, on the special uh, plastic paper. Um, I put it like cut it out to size um put it in a toaster oven <laughs> and then it does the cool little shrinky thing uh gets nice and thick and hard um and then once those are fully like cooked like i um, take them flatten them um with like a big spatula uh <laughs> and then they move on to the resin process which is um mixing like an epoxy like a two-part epoxy um coating the piece and then letting it set so that it has like a nice gloss cover finish on it so it can get scratched but it doesn't damage the artwork um once that's done i um attach a back and then i put them on a little backing card and they're they're ready for for all of your punk fashion <laughs> awesome so uh you call yourself quote a heckin D, &D nerd oh uh, boy <laughs> on your instagram page <laughs> so uh what oh, yeah. kind of what type of character do you usually play Oh boy. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm very much uh, <laughs> like chaotic neutral, chaotic good. Okay. Um, yeah, because I like, I like characters that have their own sense of morality and sometimes it's like, uh, you know, it, it's a little, uh, I don't know, I don't know. It's just fun and a little bit of chaos. I like shenanigans. <laughs> uh, I like doing some funny things, but I also like um, doing doing the good fighting the good fight you know <laughs> just a, more of a quirky hero i guess than a than a strictly like lawful lawful good and, and what's the fun in being just completely lawful right yeah it's like man that's not my beef that's not for me mm -mm. not my kind of game <laughs> so um so yeah, so COVID-19 has kind of thrown a wrench in everyone's plans. And mm. I know that I saw on your website that you're basically looking to 2021 now. Uh, I know that a lot can happen between now and then, but do you have any tentative plans for next year? Or do you even have like kind of a wi uh, wish list for events that you want to go to next year? Yeah. Um, so I, the reason I actually um, wrote off the rest of 20, uh, 2020 is because I live with a uh, immunocompromised partner. Um, so they are, there's a higher risk of if I get it, it will, uh, it could do more harm because uh, it's easier to transmit. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just a personal decision of it's just going to be safer to keep my, my loved ones um, you know, a bit more protected. Um, but once 2021 hits or, or like comes around, we're going to see, but I do have interest in hitting, um, some conventions. There's a lot that include travel, but, um, I would definitely love to go to, um, or at least look at like Dragon Con, Gen Con, Elux Con, 
um, like Kineticon, because that's a very close one. Because um, this would also be my very first year stepping into uh, like proper big conventions. Ooh, so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully I'll have some of my comic uh, chapters available, and I'll be um, also be touring uh, at least at Gen Con with uh, John Sidariatis and his new book uh, Astro Mythos. So I will be at some. <laughs> well, awesome. Hopefully. So you've, you've mentioned this a couple of times that you're working on a comic. Uh, anything mm. that you want to, any kind of details that you'd like to share on, on what it's about or? Oh, sure. So it's a very early uh, process. I'm co-writing it with a friend, um, but we are uh, working on development and the plot for a fantasy Western Ooh. Um, yeah. And we're, we're like, I'm like, <laughs> I can feel myself getting excited about it. Cause like, Ooh, I'm just so hype. It's going to be so cool, but it's going to be, um, it's following two of these characters that if you look at any of my work, you'll see them a lot. It's, uh, basically Vasha and Vasily. They're these two people. One is a like vampire gentleman, uh, but he's basically a fledgling vampire. And then we follow, uh, Vasha who is a, uh, she's just an elf, but she's very curious and exploring the world. Um, and they kind of like, uh, meet each other in weird happenstances along with a motley crew think kind of like firefly kind of okay. like really neat group and they end up um going into this going to the west basically the whole grand uh traveling west except um instead of hopes and dreams and a promise of new life they're meeting this like these f- giant feywild creatures that are like horrified that people are coming and uh settling and like there's battles and it's going to be like an action exploration kind of comic in uh a weird kind of fantasy western setting yeah i I already can't wait to read it (laughs) (laughs) good i hope so i'll let you know when i have a like first chapter look yes Uh, yeah (laughs) i'm pretty excited but i think i have a bias so well, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think we're all guilty of that, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no worries there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is there anything else that you want to bring up that I haven't already mentioned? I guess I would be mentioning uh, my buddy, my buddy's book, Astro Mythos, that's coming out, um, which is going to it's going to hit Kickstarter on July 30th. But he is a, uh, his name's John Sidariatis, and he's been writing like a, uh, like an epic fantasy uh, tale about like the creation and a war between the stars. And he's been working on this book since longer than I've known him. Oh, wow. Um, And he brought me on to help assist with the book. I hand painted 35 um, like gouache pencil traditional um, monograms in his like styling to be used in the book. Um, But that's gonna, that's been picked up by the art order, which is like a a publishing uh, illustration company. And uh, that's going to hit Kickstarter on July 30th. So I'm pretty hyped about that too. (laughs) Awesome. So, okay. So this is a last question and it's not really so much of a question. It's just, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, use this opportunity to promote yourself however you want. You know, how can people find you online? Um, Yeah. The the space is yours. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess the standard, like, 
<laughs> like, follow, and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm on Instagram, and that's kind of like my main space. Instagram at Zunda Illustrations. I also am posting the same content on Facebook. Um, if you want, like, the juicy, like, insider details and all the sneak peeks, you got to hit me up on my Patreon, which is uh, Zunda Illustrations as well. But that is where I'm talking about all this juicy comic stuff. I've got headshots of character explorations. I'm starting, like, posting bios and as well as my... Uh, my in-between shots of my regular work. I have time lapses. I have all those, all those great little tidbits that you love. Uh, but that's on my Patreon. Um, so if you want, <laughs> you know, you don't have to. Right, but, but it's there. <laughs> but it's there, yeah. And it, I have a, uh, I call it the Goblin Squad. I also have a Discord with the with the Patreon. And we got like a little little Goblin party, and I make little icons. And it's, <laughs> it's a fun little time. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, best of luck with everything. Uh, really good stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Anytime. So if you want to be part of Artist Alley, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com or uh, just shoot us a message on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So, all right, guys, it is time for... Oof, gut reaction. Dang it. It's fine. I put... Oof, gut reaction. Like later on, but I've already said that it's time for... Oof, gut reaction. And so we're going to do... Oof reaction and if i remember to i'm going to put pickett's soundbite for Oof. gut reaction and every time i say Oof. gut reaction right here <laughs> that's a lot of sound bites that's so much Oof. gut reaction i'm gonna see try to do it for that one too <laughs> no. see how many times you can say Oof. gut reaction stop it <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we're going to stick with games and stick with Matt. Uh, what's Sega doing? Uh, so Sega last week announced uh, the Game Gear Micro. Uh, it is four miniature handhelds. Um, each is going to come with four games. Um, not the same game. So there's four different colors. There's black, yellow, red, and blue. Um, some of the games included are Sonic, Sonic and Tails, Shining Force, Gaiden 1 and 2, um, and kind of like, a, it's kind of like, if I remember correctly, kind of a Tetris knockoff uh, columns. Um, but those are going to be, they're not all going to be available on all of them. Like you'll have to get, if you get all four of them, you'll have 16 games total. Uh, so four on each of the systems. Um, they have power buttons, volume buttons. It has a, like a headphone jack. Um, they are $45 each, which kind of seems like a lot, but you're getting four games on each one. Um, they are shipping and releasing on October 6th, but only in Japan. Ah. So there's the catch. Um, I think these are fun. I think these are awesome with some of the retro gaming stuff that's been going on. Um, if they were released here in the States, I think it'd be awesome. Um, but because they're only available in Japan, I'm going thumb sideways. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go thumbs down. Um, a, 
only in Japan. B, you're right. For for what you're getting, I guess it's a little over ten bucks a game. It's not that ba- bad, but still, it's like eh, it's forty five dollars. Eh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thumbs down, Tabitha. Well, if you want to play all of them on each individual one, you'd have to spend almost two hundred dollars. Yeah. And I don't like that. Like, why make? Why not just make one big one, charge two hundred dollars, and be like, okay, <laughs> now you have all the games. <laughs> That feels like it made more sense, but what do I know? <laughs> also, I was never a fan of any of the Sega games, so thumbs down. <laughs> and I'm not for sure if I'm pronouncing this right. Itchio, they have teamed with more than 840 creators uh, for a game bundle with proceeds going to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, as well as the Community Bail Fund. Uh, it's you get over 1,000 pro, uh, projects, mostly video games, um, included for a five dollar minimum donation, and uh, it's going to be available through this weekend. Uh, this sounds like, first off, it sounds like a fantastic deal, and it's going for a great cause. Uh, I'm giving it a thumbs up, even though like even if I were a gamer, like I would never be able to play all these games because you get all of these games for that donation. But still, thumbs up, uh, Tabitha. Yeah, huge thumbs up to this donation. Like, this is what we need, and if this is how we have to get it by, like, marketing video games, let's do it. Yeah. So I just double checked the article. It's actually itch.io. Mm. So, um, but looking at the link, um, they have surpassed their goal of five million dollars. They are at five point one. So five million one hundred thirty nine thousand one hundred twenty nine $1,129.88, um, 102% of their goal. Um, yeah, this is fantastic. Definitely huge thumbs up for this. Tabitha, let's go to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So if you guys wanted to buy a new car, um, on June 21st, the car from the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang um, touring production is going up for auction. It co- Okay, so this blew my mind. It costs 175,000 pounds to build, and the starting bid is 3,000 pounds. So that's, that's their upside down on their car loan. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's going up for auction along with a bunch of other things. So when I first saw this, I thought it was the original Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car, and I got very excited. And I was like, oh, man, that would be a really cool piece of history but it's not. It's just from the touring production, which is still really cool, but I'm really concerned and confused by the price discrepancy on what it costs to build and what the base auction bid is. Like, you would have thought that would have started a little higher, because at that point, they're not going to recoup any of their money. I mean, granted, they recoup their money with, like, ticket sales, but still, like, $175,000 to make, $3,000 $3,000 starting bid, like we couldn't have given it a $10,000 starting bid. So I'm going thumb sideways. Matt. Yeah, uh, I think I'm also going to go thumb sideways. Um, I kind of understand the 3,000 pound starting point, though. Like, you might be will like, some people might be willing to jump in a little bit sooner um, and bid early at a lower price. Like if you start at 10,000 pounds, like there's going to be a lot of people who are like, oh, this would be really cool, but I'm definitely out. If you started at 3,000, maybe there's somebody out there that's going, this would be super cool. Maybe I can see what happens. And all of a sudden 
they've bid 8,000 pounds when they didn't really mean to. So the price has been driven up. I don't know. Maybe that's their thought process. I don't know. I'm also going to have to go thumb sideways, mostly because I need to know what the mileage is for before I make any <laughs> I don't know that it's like physically drivable on like the highway. I don't know that you can drive it. Like, I think it's just like a, oh, look at my pretty, pretty, chitty, chitty, bang, bang car. Pretty, pretty, bang, bang. <laughs> Where's my bell? You're missing that bell, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> the ice in my tea glass will have to do. Is that, is that shame ice? Is that what that is? My shame, I don't, I don't have a pen. You never have a pen. <laughs> so, Tabitha, we're going to stick with you and talk about Obi-Wan. So, Star Wars fans have launched a petition to erect an Obi-Wan statue in Scotland, where Ewan McGregor is from, because when you think Obi-Wan, who do you think of? Evidently, you think of Ewan McGregor. Um, and they want to put it at the top of... Ben Nevis, which is the country's highest peak, since you know Obi Wan tells Anakin that he has to take the high ground. They thought that was funny. Um, when I checked this about three o'clock today, there were twenty one thousand two hundred and twenty six signatures on this petition. Um, I don't know that Scotland needs an Obi-Wan statue just because Ewan McGregor is from there, but like we were just talking about, like, I love all these fictional, like, landmarks. They're kind of <laughs> my jam, so I really want this to happen. Not that I would climb the highest peak just to look at a statue of Ewan McGregor because I'm lazy, <laughs> but I would look at pictures of it, so thumbs up. Matt. Um, I'm going thumbs up just for the fact that they want to put where they want to put this <laughs> because it's the high ground. That's fantastic. Uh, same thumbs up. I love everything about this. <laughs> so, um, Jar Jar Binks actor Ahmed Best responded to a fan question and said that he'd be willing to play Jar Jar again, but quote, it really depends on the story. Uh, thumbs up. I think that Jar Jar gets a lot of undeserved hate. Um, I think that I... I'm not getting into my Jar Jar argument in gut reaction because there's too much time. But, um, but yes, if the, if the correct story calls for it, I would love to see Jar Jar again. Tabitha. Um, I don't find Jar Jar as annoying as a lot of people find Jar Jar. But I don't know that we need additional Jar Jar. I think we've had our Jar Jar fill. Um, so I'm gonna go thumbs sideways. I mean, I'm I'm glad this actor would get some work. That's good. That's good news. So thumbs sideways. Matt, I I'm gonna agree on the point that Jar Jar essentially gets some hate that isn't necessarily deserved because he wasn't as bad as people make him out to be. But at the same time. There are, I think, other characters in the Star Wars universe that deserve a storyline, an expanded storyline, or additional storylines, more so than Jar Jar would. So I'm going to have to go thumbs down. Uh, Matt, let's talk about a new Joker. So this is all rumor. Um, Comicbook.com, I don't know if they started this or like from an interview, 
Um, but they are kind of reporting that there is a rumor that Matt Reeves, um, in Matt Reeves, the Batman, which, sorry, Pattinson, um, will introduce a new Joker. Um, the rumor goes on to speculate that this Joker will play a larger role in the second and third movies in this trilogy and just kind of be introduced in the first. Uh, so we have no casting information, just rumor speculation that this might happen. I'm going to go huge thumbs down on this. I, we've, we've had enough Joker with like, I, I have not seen the Joker movie, but Jared Leto's Joker for Suicide Squad was awful. If we need to take a break from anything, it's Joker for a while. Like, there's plenty of other villains in Batman's rogues gallery that would serve just well to be the focal point of of a Batman movie. We don't we don't need Joker. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, yeah, Batman has a large rogues gallery. Um, we could do this entire trilogy and not even mention the Joker and not scratch the surface of all of the villains that he's faced. And we could even introduce some new villains. Uh, that said, this is the Joker. It's Batman. It's peanut butter and jelly. Like eventually you, you, you can't have one without the other. Um, so I'm going to have to go thumb sideways. Tabitha. Yeah, I'm going huge thumbs down. Like, I'm so tired of Joker movies. Like, I think we should have left Joker alone after the Heath Ledger run of Joker. Like, I've said that from the beginning. Like, especially given, you know, what happened to Heath Ledger. Like, I think he, he did the character justice. Like, let's leave it alone. Batman has so many other villains. Like, just, we could, I don't know, take Scarecrow and actually do Scarecrow justice for the first time ever. Because let's get real, that one was terrible. So... <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just, like, we could, I mean, we could have the penguin back, but I mean, I don't want anybody other than Danny DeVito when the man's getting a little old. So, <laughs> I just, I don't understand why they keep rehashing the same villain, If, but it's probably, at the end of the day, because a lot of people associate, like you said, peanut butter and jelly, like, when people think of Batman, they might not understand that he has all these additional villains, like, they just look at it like, oh, the Joker's the Batman's only, like, nemesis whatever that's their problem there's that that's their lack of education so i'm gonna go thumbs down i'm just gonna say that if you watch the lego batman movie the number of villains that they introduce or show up even briefly just as a namesake like that he fought all of these guys is phenomenal like they bring up characters that i had never even heard of like condiment king yes like, that was a real villain for Batman, and it's, I, I don't know. Just go into that rogues gallery, please. Um, I don't know if it was in the article that you shared with us, Matt, or if it was just another one that I came across, but um, they mentioned, like, um, how a villain that they could use, or, like, the, the author would want them to use would be, like, Clayface. And to have, <laughs> like, and to have it, you know, like, continuously, like, uh, change, you know, faces or whatever to the point where you have like 27, you know, like legendary actors and actresses play this role. I was oh, like, why? that would be brilliant. I, yes. Well, we're finally at the point too where CGI is advanced enough where you could do Clayface justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Netflix has released Space Force, and I haven't watched it, but I know that people don't like it. But um, <laughs> Netflix has beat the, U the United States government at securing trademark rights to Space Force in other countries. Uh, the Air Force does have a pending application on an intent to use, but nothing has been made official in terms of, like, here stateside. Uh, the United States operates on a first-to-use trademark res uh, registration as opposed to uh, other countries where it's first come, first serve. Uh, this could lead to uh, some like red tape when it comes to, like merchandising and things like that. But the Air Force, uh, but an Air Force spokesperson said that they're not aware of any current trademark conflicts. Um, I have this in my list or whatever on Netflix. I don't know that I'm ever going to get to it. Uh, I like a lot of the actors that are in the show, but it does not seem like it's for me. Um, I'm still like, I'm giving this whole thing a thumbs up though, because I just, I love a good controversy. So, Tampa. I like anything that forks the United States government, just in general, it's just kind of who I am as a human. So even if this causes them like one more form that they got to fill out, I'm in love with it. So thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, anything to make trademarking or merchandising this absurd idea of a space force more difficult i i'm in favor of so thumbs up uh tabitha let's go to the black cauldron so i thought we had talked about this before maybe we haven't but the black cauldron is seriously one of the most underrated disney animated films of all time because it's like a high fantasy disney animation and it is like freaky and frightening and dark and it bombed when it came out like hardcore like Disney like put out a statement saying that they regretted their decision like it's just yeah like not a fan but Disney is now developing a um live action version of this um we're not sure if it's coming to Disney plus or to like theaters but they have requested the rights back to the Chronicles of Peridian, which was the book series that it was based off of, which it's only based off like the first two books or something like that, and it's vastly different. But still, they lost the rights after the movie bombed, and whoever the publishing house of the book was were like, we're gonna take that back, you guys screwed this up. So they've got them back, and they're gonna do a live action movie. And like I said in the beginning, when you asked us a question about Bill and Ted, this is something that I don't feel like needs to be touched. Like, if you're going to remake, quote unquote, this, take the book series and make a completely new entity. Don't just take the Black Cauldron and put it in live action. Because like you said, all these live action movies, just like, just make, make the live action movie stuff. Like, how do I get that hashtag trending? So I'm going huge huge thumbs down on this but if you have not watched the black cauldron it is available on disney plus go watch the animated one before they screw it up <laughs> matt um i'm also going thumbs down when i discovered the black cauldron animated movie i also discovered because of who i am as a person that it was based on a book series watch the animated movie went and read the first the first book of the Chronicles of Priam. I don't think I got any farther than that. But despite the differences between the two, they are both fantastic in their own right. And 
yes, like these Disney remakes need to stop. Um, if you want to take it and actually go back to the book series and make it more faithful to the book series, that might be a different story. But knowing Disney, they're just going to rehash what they've already done. So thumbs down. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to go thumbs down too. I've never seen this movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just kind of going off of what you guys have said, like, I, I feel like Disney would be trying to redeem themselves um, by remaking it instead of trying to go with a different avenue from the book series. But, you know, that's Disney for you. All right, so this one actually is from Lydia. We've got new Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max. And in the new cartoons, uh, neither Elmer Fudd nor Yosemite Sam have guns. Uh, executive producer Peter Braungart uh, said that other, quote, cartoony violence like TNT sticks, things like that, uh, will still be done because it was, quote, kind of grandfathered into Looney Tunes. Uh, before I give my response, uh, I'm going to give you Lydia's. So she says, uh, so it's okay to chase someone with a skiff and shove uh, dynamite in someone's face, uh, but God forbid we let a hunter have a gun. I get it. Gun violence is and has been a serious issue lately, but taking away Elmer and Yosemite's guns uh, is like blaming video games for people's violence. I honestly think that changing things like this is what is making things worse. Thumbs down, duck season fire. Um, <laughs> I'm giving it a thumb sideways. Uh, I see where Lydia's coming from completely. At the same time, um, I actually, I watched a couple of the cartoons uh, this afternoon specifically so that I could kind of have a good frame of reference or whatever. I made sure to watch one with Yosemite Sam. And I made sure to watch one with Elmer Fudd. And I'm gonna be honest, like, if this whole controversy hadn't been a thing, I wouldn't have even noticed. I would not have even hmm. noticed that, oh, hey, Yosemite's not firing his guns in the air or whatever. Um, but yeah, so like, I get it. Like, it's, oh, hey, they're doing all these other violent things. Why can't they have something that's core to them? But yeah, thumb sideways, Tabitha. I'm all, I actually had this discussion with Matt's sisters earlier today. Like, I'm always going to be alone in my principles with like the things that I think children are exposed to that's just because of who I am. I think there's enough violence in the world and in like in nature and in schools and things that children are exposed to that I don't think we need it in cartoons. Um, as a kid, I remember being bothered by the violence in cartoons, which is why I almost only exclusively watch Tom and Jerry. <laughs> because the worst that happened is like, maybe somebody got their fist shut in the door. Like, I remember being bothered by it. And I, I just think in the time that we're living in, like, if you're going to edit something out and you're going to edit out a weapon in a children's cartoon, I have no problem with it. Yeah, these other things are dramatic, but are your seven and eight year old gonna go find a stick of dynamite and a scythe? Probably not. Can they maybe go upstairs and get in your gun cabinet and get your gun? Yes. So I'm giving what they did a huge thumbs up. Matt. Um, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on this because like I did, I grew up, you know, on those cartoons. Um, I do have to agree that, yeah, 
you know, there is enough violence elsewhere in the world that it doesn't need to be in the cartoons. Um, and yes, the guns are more realistic violence in the cartoons than even a scythe or, you know, TNT. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't really decided where I land on this. So I'm going to go thumb sideways. Uh, Matt, we're going to close out reaction uh, talking about a potential new uh, Dr. Octopus. Maybe possibly um, given Boston dynamic a run for their money. Um, so a 19 year old billionaire, Eric Finman, um, he has invested his fortune that he made through Bitcoin to build a prosthetic suit for an 11 year old boy with 3D printing. Um, this suit has four arms and is powered by eight engines. Um, right now with the investment and the, like the invention that he's created, um, it allows the boy to pick up lightweight objects. Um, but he is speculated that with a $20,000 investment that he could strengthen the engines enough where these arms could lift a car. So like I'm all about this and you know, using it as a prosthetic or, um, you know, those that could use it or may need it, um, you know, however they, you know, don't have a use of their appendages. Um, but the idea that, like, you're a billionaire and you invest it and you create this and it creates, you know, lifts lightweight objects. And with $20,000, you lift a car. Like, that's an exponential jump. Um, and that's the part that concerns me. So I'm going to go thumbs up on the general idea I'm going to go thumbs down the idea of enhancing this to lift a car. Yeah. Uh, 100% this is how supervillains get started. Thumbs down. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I started to say, do you want supervillains? Because this is how you get supervillains. And we all know I love a good supervillain, and I feel like sometimes we just don't have enough of them. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if he could use the strength for good... I, I mean, he could get a job, I don't know, lifted concrete or something like <laughs> don't don't grab on his dream so thumbs up for the idea of helping but maybe a little thumb sideways for the creepy factor like why you gotta go so far yeah so um had a couple of press releases come this way uh over the week so z2 comics and uh the doors have announced a graphic novel written by uh leah moore who is the daughter of uh, famous comic book writer Alan Moore. It's going to come out October 13th. Uh, the graphic novel also shares, it's called uh, Morrison Hotel, and it shares the name with the band's fifth album, and it's going to feature some of the lore that led to the band's status of, quote, architects of counterculture. So, uh, also, Vault has announced um, an early release of Dark One. It's by Hugo Award-winning author Brandon Sanderson. So what Dark One is about, it's uh, uh, Paul Tunison, can't read my own handwriting, um, <laughs> is a young man haunted by visions of a dark and fantastic world. When he discovers that they are actually prophecies from uh, Mirandus, a world in which he's destined to become a fantastic or fearsome destroyer, uh, he'll have to rise up as the Dark One and uh, shatter everything. 
dark one examines the dual roles we often take on in life, uh, the ability to be a savior as well as a destroyer. So pre-orders are available right now on the Vault web store in both physical and digital editions. And it also comes with pre-order rewards, including uh, an invitation to a live stream Q&A with uh, Sanderson, a pre-order bonus pack, including phone and desktop backgrounds, 15% pre-order discount, 15% uh, dark discount on a Dark One uh, t-shirt, and 50% on all Vault ebook purchases through September 1st. Um, yeah, this sounds like sounds like an interesting story, and also uh, really cool bonuses or whatever for pre-ordering. So, yeah, I had I actually found a uh, separate article about this before you posted yours, Mitch. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out that the first chapter of this was originally supposed to be Vault Comics free comic book day release. Oh, really? Yes. How does Brandon Sanderson have so much time? He doesn't sleep. There's or no eat, way. Or go outside or breathe or... I mean, he teaches a class at BYU and he writes. Those are the only two things this man ever does. I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like, you ever wake up and you think, I have the same amount of hours in a day as X, Y, and Z. What am I doing with them? Like, my X, Y, and Z is always Brandon Sanderson because he's like, <laughs> so uh, this morning I got up, I had a cup of coffee, I wrote six books, one of them was 10,000 pages, and then I went to bed for like four hours. I'm like, but what did you do? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm constantly blown away by the like the level of productivity. Like, he's either the most caffeinated man in the world or the most like focused man in the world and I just don't know which one it is yeah um knowing me on caffeine it's yeah because I cannot focus if I have too much caffeine so <laughs> oh I hyper focus if I have too much caffeine maybe that's it maybe he has a lot of caffeine that he hyper focuses <laughs> in which case I'm doing everything wrong with my life more caffeine <sighs> so um we also we got a chance to read uh the savage beard of she-dwarf it's going to be out uh, next week, June 17th, from Oni Press, with uh, art and uh, words by Kyle Latino. So basically what She-Dwarf is about, uh, so She-Dwarf believes that she is the last dwarf in existence, and she sets off on a mission uh, to the dwarven city of uh, Doomerang to find evidence that she's not alone. So I know that you guys got a chance to read the whole thing. I only had a chance to read about half, uh, but what I read, I really enjoyed. Uh, I thought that it's a cute story. It's about somebody finding their place in the world. Uh, and I also really loved that she dwarf doesn't let the fact that she's a dwarf get in the way of accomplishing her goals. Uh, what did you guys think? This was really cute. <laughs> and it was kind of like old comic book style, like mm. in the background, like if a noise was happening, it like had the noise like lightly written and I'm like I'm chuckling the whole time this was super cute and like their little beard off thing in the beginning <laughs> where she challenges the big burly guy to a beard off and then like just rips his whole just every bit of facial hair off like I loved this like this was fantastic I did have some struggles like they're toward the end like I know you haven't gotten there yet mm -hmm. but they're toward the end where like her like quest was kind of over and like we were like the battle was coming to fruition like where I got lost in the art and I had to like go back a couple panels and try to figure out what I missed that was kind of my only gripe but I don't know if that was just me like speed reading because of who I am as a human or like <laughs> if it was the book so I'm not a good judge of that 
I love this. This was fantastic from beginning to end. Um, I love the colors. <laughs> like everything was so bright. And a lot of times when you get to these fantasy stories, um, you get a very, not, yeah, you get a muted color palette. Like you get greens and browns and grays. And this was like blue and pink and yellow and like colors everywhere. And I thought that was fantastic. And when you mentioned the, uh, like the noises in the background, mm -hmm. there's one towards the end, which is my absolute favorite. And the creature bites through a chain and the chain shatters. And as it shatters, you see the word chomp written <laughs> in shatter. Like, that's amazing. Like, it, just little touches like that that are just so fun. Um, honestly, my only, I guess, gripe with this um, is as, as fun and interesting as inventive th as this was, um, her name is She-Dwarf. Like, I mean, I understand the point because she's a dwarf, but, like, as, as a creative person, like, it's like unobtainium. Come up with a better name. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to die before Matt's last word is going to be unobtainable. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> He's going to make a joke about it on his death, but I feel it coming. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, The Savage Beard of uh, She-Dwarf will be out next week. Uh, pick it up. It's a, it's a fun read. Um, Tabitha, you've got a couple things that you want to rage about. <laughs> Which thing do you want me to rage about first? Um, I have the uh, Counselor Troy story up first, but if you want to go the other way, then go for it. Um, I, we can rage about Counselor Troy, who was useless and pointless. Um, okay, so we kind of <laughs> accidentally started rewatching TNG like like a month ago. Yeah. Just like randomly put an episode on before bed one night and ended up watching like five episodes. Um, and I forgot how much I hate Deanna Torres. <laughs> like, you are useless. Who invited you? Like, get off my bridge. Like, I just, I just, I hate her. I have hated her since I was a kid. I didn't understand what she was doing there. I was, I just, I don't care. Anyway, not only do I now hate Deanna Troy, I also hate Marina Siritz because she took it upon her herself as a uh, broke down busted actress to go at Lin-Manuel Miranda and the internet was not having it. So as we all know, like the world is falling apart right now. Everything is awful. And Lynn has always been like the bright spot on Twitter. Like he doesn't, you know, come across overly political most of the time. He's never got a negative thing to say. He always posts these like uplifting like things that you just need at the end of a really crappy day where everything you've looked at on the internet is like death and destruction and <laughs> the plague because we live in like 1530 again <laughs> anyway so lynn tweeted good morning keep going listen to the aches learn from your mistakes get right with your guts keep going that's it. He posted that. It's his typical good morning, good night kind of thing that he does on Twitter. So she took it upon herself to tweet back at him or to retweet. I don't know how Twitter works, guys. Um, <laughs> could you for once in your life 
say something that actually matters at this time of crisis. Your platitudes are pointless. So instead of saying something about what she was feeling, she felt the need to attack what he said. Everybody loves Lin-Manuel Miranda. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a national effing treasure. <laughs> like, he just, he just is. Like, to the and, point where Nicolas Cage is trying to steal him. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that movie, by the way. Um, so, people don't like it when white celebrities try to tell people of color what to do on Twitter, in, especially in today's political climate. So people went at her and she said, I follow him so I know whereof I speak. He has 3 million plus followers. He could do so much good, but no, he continues to post platitudes. I'm done. I'm convinced she just learned what the word platitudes means and she's just decided to use it for the day. Is there a word of the day calendar? Right, she's like, ooh, platitudes, that's new. It kind of sounds like platypus. Like, I feel like that's not <laughs> Anyway. Um, the internet, like I said, went at her. Um, one of the people who went at her was actually Mara Wilson, who Mara Wilson has the cutest biography in the entire world, and you should read it. Um, she's the girl who played uh, Matilda and the little, the smallest daughter in um, Mrs. Doubtfire, and she's a fantastic human. So she went at, you know, uh, Counselor Troy and said, hi, remember when we did a con together and you said that America had no history and when I said Native Americans did, you said the Native Americans never built anything? Because I do. So there was a lot of back and forth. She finally tired of like trying to attack Lynn for no apparent reason and turned to other people that she was going to attack and did not respond to Mara Wilson. So Counselor Troy is pointless. Um, and Marina Sirtis is also pointless and needs to go away. Um, you don't get to tell people how to feel. And if you don't like the way that someone is reacting to a situation, um, we don't need any more negativity on Twitter. Our president does just fine by himself uh, with the whole of Twitter. No one needs your help. We didn't need your help on the Enterprise and we surely don't need your help on Twitter. So I need her to sit down <laughs> and literally check her privilege. End rant. I think. Maybe. I don't know. I've been really heated about this. Like, I was trying to make notes for today. And, like, my handwriting was just, like, I stopped even trying. Because my handwriting was getting so bad that, like, I was having to, like, scratch things out. Um, yeah, the things I was writing weren't correct politically or verbally, and there were cuss words, and <laughs> I used the T word like four times, and it's just, <laughs> I scratched my notes and figured yeah. I'd just go off That's the cuff. <laughs> Everyone's welcome. I just, like, yeah, like, especially if she follows him, like, I don't follow him on Twitter well, maybe I do. I just don't, I, I don't Twitter. I don't, I rarely get on I mean, Twitter. I don't Twitter. He's the only reason I have a Twitter. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but like, but even still, like, I don't regularly follow him, but I still know that he does these things. So if she follows him, she should know that he does these things. Like, I just, I don't get why she had to go at him like that. Like, what did she want from him? Like, he's never been the person to be like, Let's, like, I was going to say rise up, but I mean, that's literally what he said, so. 
<laughs> but like he's never been the person to go off on like a political tangent. Like he's always very even keeled. He's very he's always got a positive message. No matter how crappy the world looks or even how crappy his life works looks, he's always got a positive message for everybody. And if like I'm real sorry that someone else's positivity pissed you off, but you went for the wrong person on Twitter, like you just did. Like like I said, Lin Manuel Miranda is a national treasure and he is the only thing holding Twitter together. Like I have like, I'm, I'm fully invested in the fact that if Lin Manuel Miranda ever deletes his Twitter, Twitter will just explode. <laughs> like he, he's the only bit of positive thing on the internet. So I need her to just calm down. You know, the one small thing about this is like, there is so much negativity just in general in the world right now that if anybody any one of his three and a half million followers take his positive notes at the beginning and the end of every day as platitude a, a, a light bulb a source of hope you know something to keep them moving forward how can you attack that i just mm -hmm. don't ugh. so tabitha what else is on your mind this week oh lord i've had a week y'all <laughs> I mean, so has America, so that that checks out. Um, so, Book Outlet. Book Outlet is a Canadian company that gets overflow books and damaged books from publishers and big box big box bookstores, and sells them online at a extremely discounted rate. Like, I can't tell you how many of these books are from Book Outlet. Like, when I first discovered Book Outlet, your girl went ham, and I spent like my whole life. <laughs> scrolling through and buying things on Book Outlet. Well, um, Book Outlet got canceled this week. And I know we're trying not to do cancel culture in this world, but for this, we need to. Um, book Outlet does this thing called Vlogger Friends, which is like a bunch of people in like the book community that are either, they have a booktube channel or a bookstagram. And they work with them and like you go to the Book Outlet page and you're like, oh, what did this for example, Books and Lala, this girl named Lauren, like what did she buy? And you can go and you can scroll through what she's purchased. So they have a plethora of vlogger friends and only one of them is black. All of them are white and I think the majority of them are women. So Book Outlet made no response on like the blackout day for social media. They didn't say anything. They were just like, Mer. so someone called them out on it and they did not like it, and they did not handle it well. So, Book Outlet said, in response to this person being like, hi, basically, why don't you have any people of color as vlogger friends? And why haven't you made a statement? I'm gonna read Book Outlet's tweet. Hi, Sophia. We're so sorry for our silence. Please see our latest post on our Facebook page for our Books by Black Authors list and some words on the matter. It was a book, it was a list of books that you can buy on Book Outlet that are written by black people, okay? And someone said, and Sophia uh, responded back, your response didn't address my concern, which is the lack of diversity on your vlogger friends page. Why is there only one black person on that entire page? How do you plan on fixing that? Book outlet, put their foot in their mouth, just all over the place. Our vlogger friends are chosen based on engagement, following, and content. We maintain a family-friendly appearance, so we do not sign on applicants who swear or post explicit content. Diversity is important, and we have been looking to round out our team with qualified men and women. 
So, Uh-oh. for example, I said books and Lala. She says, she tweets, that's simply not true. I swear all the time on my channel. I'm disappointed by this response. I would love to see more Black, Indigenous, and POC involved in your Blogger Friends program. I'm assuming you were just sharing your parameters and not trying to link these two conversations together, but you did it anyway. I was happy to see you finally acknowledge the move today on social media, but you needed to do better. So then someone else um, says, you added your one and only Black blogger friend in 2015. You've had enough time. (laughs) So they didn't ever make a response. Not on their page, not anything. They were just basically like, retweeting things and people came at them with so black bloggers aren't family friendly you do realize that you just implicitly said that you don't think young people should be watching a black creator's content um saying black creators aren't family friendly is disgusting you've lost a customer uh please respond to my email um like i became a blogger my channel was small i could barely afford books and if maintaining family friendly appearance means white i'm out i'm not your token black girl do better that was the only black person that was one of their blogger friends. Um, she, she quit. Um, a lot of people have come out like book community went bananas basically and was like, no, this isn't going to work. Um, and then about the same time that this was happening, um, book of the month, which is a subscription service where you can get like hardcover books for like nine 99 a month or something. I've never done it. I'm not a subscription box kind of person like if I want a book I'm just gonna go buy it Uh, I'm not gonna wait on it to come to the mail um with a bunch of other random crap that I don't need but um book of the uh, book of the month also did not make a statement book of the month is also one of the people do you guys remember me talking about American Dirt Mm -hmm. the book that uh was just not not well received uh they're, they chose book, they chose, Demer- they chose, not a word, they chose American <laughs> Dirt for one of their book of the months a couple months ago. People were kind of like, eh, maybe you shouldn't have done that. And then when this came out, um, people were kind of starting to look into subscription services and things in the book community. And it turned out something like 10% of book out, or book of the months, books that they had chosen over the entirety were written by black authors or people of color. And they were like, why can't we do better? And they were basically like, there aren't any books by black people. We don't know. So that's, oh, that's fine. So mm-hmm. then a bunch of authors came out and were discussing, you know, how hard it is for them to get published, what they get paid, what versus what a what white author gets paid, um, how their books are marketed versus how a white author's books are marketed. So the world was falling apart, but like, the book community is like super tight knit and everybody's very, very liberal and very inclusive and very diverse. And like these big companies have not figured that out and book outlet lost. I I mean, they've lost crazy. Like I don't, there's no way that company can come back from this because like who else buys things from book outlet besides the book community online and no one is going to be buying books from book outlet anymore and a bunch of people have canceled their book of the month subscriptions which they had to pay for and it's just it's been a week in the book community yeah i'm not as heated as i am about the whole deanna troy thing because nobody in book outlet went at lin-manuel miranda but they did not handle their response well like they could have literally said anything else other than what they said and it would have probably been okay but they put their foot inside their mouth yeah yeah um and i'm glad you mentioned the american dirt because i i was trying to think of the name of that and like between 
these stories and that story from a couple months ago or whatever, like, uh, you've taught me to not anger the book community. <laughs> it's an ugly thing to do, man. Like, they yeah. go hard. Like, someone, there's... Oh. They go hardcover. I'm not even mad at that. <laughs> <laughs> person and I can't remember her Instagram Twitter handles but she essentially she's very um outspoken in her um pro-life views which is fine um but she basically said that if you had problems with the way that the George Floyd situation was handled and how you know if you had problems with with that and you didn't have problems with um Planned Parenthood um you were like a bad human and she wasn't going to respond to any kind of arguments. And she, I think on like Sunday had like 17,000 Instagram followers, followers. I checked today just for giggles and she's got less than 6,000. So don't piss off the book community. Wow. It's a bad thing to do. We still have a few stories to talk about and we're already going over on time and we haven't even... That's my fault. <laughs> eh, and we haven't even thrown in the uh, Artist Alley yet. But, um, so, you guys cool with going long? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Had to be a better way to say that, Mitchell. <laughs> don't, don't sick your book friends on me, please. <laughs> I already don't have hardly any Instagram followers. I don't need less. (laughs) Um, Matt, let's talk about DC since we're still, since we're still talking about things that are making us angry. Right. Um, So I saw this article and I immediately sent this to you as well. Um, Last, last week or so, um, rereading the article, I discovered some more details. Um, DC announced via email to retailers that in the future, all of their orders will be filled by Looter Distribution and UCS Comic distribution Distributors um, any for all of their periodicals. Um, and then Penguin Random House is going to uh, fulfill graphic novel and collected editions. Really what this boils down to is that DC is turning its back on Diamond. Like, essentially the one and only comic book distributor out there. Um, obviously they're not because DC has found these two other companies to, like, sell their comics through. Um, but for, I mean, as long as I've ever known... Like, Diamond is the distributor of comic books. Like, everything goes through Diamond. Um, You know, maybe it's a monopoly, or maybe it's just, like, they've got the system down, so that's, you know, who you go through. Um, But it just is baffling to me that when comic book shops and comic books are trying to essentially rebound from the pandemic, and comic books kind of in general are just trying to keep going, um, that DC would change the flow of the river. Like why? Like, I, I don't really understand it. Um, in the article, like the, the statement from DC says that this follows a long period of thought and consideration. The change is in line with DC's overall strategic vision. I'm, I'm so confused by this because I don't understand why when 
DC has roughly 30% of the comic book market through Diamond, like you would make your retailers create, like shop through another source to get your product on the shelves. I, <laughs> I've got a lot of feelings about this. Uh, I mean, it's, and it's weird because like typically I'm, I'm all about busting up monopolies. Um, and I think that that's kind of what Diamond has had over the years. Um, but at the same time, like one of these distributors that DC is going through now, um, it's actually Midtown Comics. So you're wanting comic book stores to get their product from a competitor, which granted like Midtown Comics, it's based out of New York. Um, so I mean like the, the comic book stores here in Springfield, I mean, they're not like a direct competitor, but. No. Well, but at the same time, like Midtown has a very large online presence. Exactly. Um, I know for a fact that like once or twice I was looking for a particular issue and I found it through Midtown and ordered it. I did not realize that one of these companies was essentially Midtown Comics. That's yeah. intriguing. And I'd, and I'd have to go and do some digging and I'm not going to do that right now. But, um, but yeah, so like, there's that. There's the fact that through all this, um, DC has changed their release date. You know, like Wednesday has always been new comic book day. Uh, DC is releasing their comics on Tuesdays now. What? Um, yeah. Um, I really think that this is part of, and, and again, like, and I, this might've been even something that I mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, this is a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, but I think that this is leading DC to the point where all of their comic books are going to be online. And if you want them in print, you have to wait for a collected edition. I yeah. think that, I, I think that if DC has their way in the next five, 10 years, whatever, you're not going to be able to go to your local comic book shop and pick up Superman or Batman or whatever. Um, and that is a travesty to me. I am one of those people, like, I mean, you guys know, I'm the type of person, like, I prefer to have that physical comic book in my hand. Like, and I, and I do buy some comic books online, especially if it's something that I really want to read and I can't find it locally. Um, and so I'll, I'll pick, you know, I'll, I'll buy the digital version. And it's not the same. Like, no. I don't know. It's <laughs> just, yeah. And plus, it's like, it's one of those things, like, if I'm buying it digitally, like I don't actually own it and I have a problem with that. Yeah. It just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, comic book has always been, comic book reading has always also been about the collecting. Mm -hmm. um, so like the digital just doesn't have the same feel to it. Exactly. Obviously that like the actual, like the comic book, the paper edition does. I, our friend Shay was super irritated about the whole uh, Supergirl sure. being digital only. Like, you know, she's gotten all of those and now the last couple, she's not going to have, you know, yeah. same thing. Like, I don't understand that. But in a lot of ways, this kind of seems like the bite the hand that feeds kind of situation. Like, you know, Diamond has been your bread and butter, whether it's a monopoly or not for forever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so why change that? Also, I didn't know about the, the release date change. And I, I don't know. There's no way I'm going in back-to-back -back days to pick up 
Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, and this is also kind of just speculation that, uh, I, I really do feel, I don't know if it's going to be any of the stores here in town, but I'm sure that like countrywide, there are going to be some comic book stores that are going to stop carrying DC comics because they don't feel that they should have to basically place two different orders. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, so yeah, so I can completely see that happening. So um, a little bit of happy comic book news. I'm going to speed through this so we can get to our last story. So, um, as you know, Free Comic Book Day, usually the first Saturday in May, it was postponed because of COVID-19. Surprise, surprise. Um, but Marvel has announced that they're going to be releasing their Free Comic Book Day um, offerings uh, next month. Oh, so nice. July, uh, July 15th, uh, X-Men is going to hit the stores first, and it's going to set up uh, the X of Swords event, which is their summer event that... I'm going to complain about and say that, oh, I'm not, I'm going to sit this event out and then I'm not. And then get it anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the following week will be Spider-Man and Venom. And both stories are going to connect to major upcoming storylines for Amazing Spider-Man, Venom, as well as Black Cat. So, okay. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't know in terms of like making sure you reserve that or whatever with your local comic book shop, but. I don't know if you're interested in those, I would definitely look into that. So um, our last story. And like when I first saw like the headline for it, I had to actually read the story to see like, th there's no way that this is as bizarre as it sounds. And then I read the story and it's as bizarre as it sounds. So Matt, um, what did Kate Blanchett do? Um, Kate Blanchett had an oops. <laughs> with a song and her head during the shelter at home. She didn't really go into details in the interview where this was mentioned, but she did say that she nicked her head with a chainsaw. Um, and she says it sounds very, very, very exciting, but it wasn't. I, she left out all the details, but... I, there's so much more that was not said about what caused a chainsaw incident. I mean, Kate Blanchett, a chainsaw shelter in place. We're missing some details here that I really want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I nick your head with a chainsaw. Like, nick your head with the scissors. Yeah. Nick your head with a steak knife. You're doing it wrong, but sure. <laughs> nick your head with a chainsaw. <laughs> well, like, first I off, just, how do you nick your head with scissors? Have you never like gotten your haircut? Okay, 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 okay. A moron and like I, the back of your neck, and it's like, oops, and then like they're like holding pressure there the whole time they're cutting your hair because I asked. Okay, um, <laughs> you, you, you're right. I was thinking scissors is in like I'm wrapping a present. Cut, cut, cut. Scissors, scissors, scissors. Ah, my head. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I didn't think about getting your hair cut. That actually sounds like a Matt thing to do, so. Hey, you're right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, a chainsaw? Like, how do you just nick your head with a chainsaw? Like, nick your hand with a chainsaw? Maybe, but your hands. I don't know what she's, was she juggling them? She didn't give any details. That's the, that's the part that really bothers me. It's like, you bring this up and then you brush past it. Like, I, I, I want to know what happened. Write her a letter. <laughs> yeah. Like, I seriously, I wonder if it was, like, 
just sitting somewhere and maybe she like ran into it, you know? Maybe. Also, I had a really horrible thought when you started, like you brought this up because sometimes I get Tilda Swinton and <laughs> Kate Blanchett confused in my head for whatever reason. And you said Nictor had with the chainsaw, and but I was still thinking about Tilda Swinton and I was gonna ask you how you'd be able to tell. <laughs> but then I realized you were talking about Kate, Kate Blanchett and I felt better slash worse about myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's <is> terrible. <laughs> it's not wrong though. <laughs> I just have a lot of questions. Right? Yeah. yeah. Those, yep. those questions will I don't know, Never. just have to have to stay unanswered. Right. Maybe she'll write a biography one day and she'll like put that in there and then we'll have to find out that way. The whole chapter about it. Yeah, but then we gotta read the whole thing to get to it. <laughs> Feels like a lot of work. Yeah. It'll actually be ghost written by George R. R. Martin. <laughs> Every time I'm on the internet now, I see something that's like, is Winds of Winter done? And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> He had all of quarantine to to finish it. He had all of a lot of a lot of time. Well, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's like, what else? What else are you doing during the shelter in place? Come on now. At this point, I just want him to die so Brandon Sanderson can write it in ten minutes and we can have the book. Because <laughs> that's what will happen. That's what will happen. That's a hundred percent what's going to happen. Is George R. R. Martin's going to die? Brandon Sanderson's going to be like. Hey guys, I got like a spare hour. Do you want me to just wrap this up? And everybody's gonna be like, "Yeah, thanks." And then we'll have the book in a week. Like that's 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 what happens. He's already got a draft done, you know. Oh yeah, Brandon Sanderson's <laughs> just waiting. He's like, <laughs> "I just typed this with my spare time <laughs> that I somehow miraculously have." Maybe he's, that's what he does. He types. He types with his fingers and his toes. So he's writing two books at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I almost believe it. Have you seen those novels? Yes. I just don't understand. <sighs> yeah, I just want him yeah. to die so I can my book. Because that's, that's the only way I get it. Like, not that I wish ill on George. I mean, I do wish ill on George R. R. Martin because I'm super angry at him. But, like. I mean, that's how we get the book. That's how I get my book. That's the only way. And if anybody else touches Winds of Winter and Brandon Sanders, I will. There will be a small piece of me that dies, and then I will throw the biggest fit. I kind of want to see that, though. You want to see me throw the biggest fit? Yes. I don't Will it, will it live <laughs> up to the hype? But you don't. What? I said, will it live up to the hype? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he lives with me. So. <laughs> so. I've thrown a lot of very big fits recently. <laughs> No. Right? I know you're surprised. So that'll do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with what's happening throughout the week. And be sure to let us know about any cool things we're missing out on. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Everybody, say bye. Bye. Bye.